welcome to All This and the Oscars 2, AwardsDaily.com's occasional podcast on the Oscar race. <laughs> I love the occasional. Sorry, it's I completely just, interrupted you. That's okay. It is occasional. It's what, what strikes our fancy. Um, my name is Sasha Stone. I run the website AwardsDaily.com. I'm here with two of our editors, Clarence Moy and Mark Johnson. We don't have Ryan today because he's got a prior engagement, but he'll be back in the next occasion we podcast. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. Hey. So today, this you know, we're coming on the on the heels of a really big awards drop, which is it's like it all yeah. of a sudden became the Oscar race where we were just sort of sitting around. Um, so we had the Golden Globes, and we had the National Board of Review name their winners, and we had the, most importantly, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which is our first big guild announcement, and it's the biggest awards body, voting body so far that we've seen. We also have the BAFTA long list, which I thought was interesting to look at. I sort of counted all the nominations that each film got on that because I wanted to see how many categories it was covering and how widespread the nominations were. I find that the Globes and the BAFTA seem to be a little more in line than with the SAG, but um, but I think that, you know, we the SAG nominating committee is about 2,000 people that they randomly select, and it's about 150,000 in the membership, so you have to factor that in when you predict how they're going to vote. They're only, I think it's 100,000 actors and 50,000 AFTRA members, which is like television journalism and... Um, TV personalities. I think that's how the numbers are. I can't remember, but so basically, the the really, I think that the, in my opinion, we'll go through what we think the Oscars. I mean, we we probably don't need to read the nominations, right? Because I think everybody who's listening to this is already following it. Right, probably. But I'll just say that Mank led the Golden Globes, and Chicago Seven, and Nomad Land also came in really strong there. Um, and so did Promising Young Woman, right? So these all, all of these films got picture, director, screenplay, and acting. Um, and then Regina King took the last spot in the Best Director category, which shows that One Night in Miami is still alive. It also made the NBR list and I think the AFI list. And, um, and then it just got, kind of got winnowed down pretty quickly when it got, <laughs> we got to the SAG Awards um, because... Basically, the only one I think of of the Globe's best picture was Chicago Seven. No, Nomadland too. No, it didn't get in for SAG. No, no, so it was Chicago Seven. It's only one night Miami got the SAG ensemble though. But it didn't get. But uh, one night in Miami missed out on best picture at the Globes. Oh yeah. Okay. So the only thing that Chicago Seven is missing is NBR, and it's hit every other sing, every other marker, and it actually leads the BAFTA long list. So it's coming in pretty strong at the moment. Well, it leads the, it leads the BAFTA long list because of the strength of the or the number of supporting performances, all of which won't get into the final round, right? I mean, My, I think it had a, a what three or so slots on the short list for a supporting actor. Right, right. No, that's true. And the uh, BAFTA long list I thought was surprising to me in some ways because I thought that. Spike Lee not getting in for director on that when there's 15 slots, you know, that's sort of telling. I don't know what exactly it says, but. Yeah. It's such surprising. a strange trajectory. Sorry to interrupt you, um, yeah. Mark. It's just no, a strange good. trajectory for Defive Bloods because, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's been seen the longest of, of probably any of the contenders, right? Because it came out last yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. 
And then it did really well at National Board of Review, but then it was completely left out of Golden Globes. And Delroy Lindo, who who has won quite a few critics awards for his performance, is getting left off left and right. And I thought he was going to make SAG at least. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he was left out of SAG. So that I, I just I I don't. I mean, it made ensemble there, but I just, I don't know what to think about The Five Bloods. It's just all over the place in terms of how it will do ultimately at the Oscars. I'll tell you one thing that is sort of a plot twist to me is that I didn't, of all the films in the race, I didn't expect that to be film Twitter's favorite movie. (laughs) Like, I didn't think that that would be the one that they're rooting for the most, you know? That was surprising. Um, but so I feel like there's there's momentum for it in that way. There are a lot of people that want it to get in. I don't know if that makes a difference or not, but um, but I think it it there is sort of a goodwill thing with Spike Lee right now. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of that happening, and the performance of Del Rey Lindo is good. But um, you know, I'm sorry to have to say it, but there's just no getting around the movie itself isn't very good, and it's especially not good in the first hour. It gets better when they get to uh, Vietnam, and then it becomes a much more interesting movie, but there's just no getting around the fact that it's that first hour that's a kind of a slog. And I don't know if voters are going to... You're going to need like 100 people to put that at number one. Number one, better than any other movie they saw this year, um, to get into the Oscars. So that, to me, is the one that's on the fence. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's It's kind of been up and down, at least recently, in my predictions. I think I had it as high as number six uh, after NBR and hitting the AFI list. And then when it missed Globes in multiple categories, I, I kind of dropped it down. So I have it still in my 10, but toward the bottom. Mm. Been up and down. Well, what do you have after it? Like, is there anything that you're not p- that's, putting? That's my nine, and I have the father 10. The so father. those are the two that I probably have out of the race, but are right in it so i probably would settle on eight right now and so that's kind of a surprise uh, another surprise is the father not doing as well as uh, I, I know kind of, you know i thought it would do yeah. much better than it has was that that surprises me yeah very much like the um the aarp movies for grown-ups they sent me their um embargoed list and and i can read it to you because it's you know this won't go up until i don't think it'll go up mm. until tomorrow um, but you know, their, their choices are like all over the place. Mm. Um, but they're kind of interesting to look at. They're not, you know, obviously not a, it doesn't really make a difference if you don't make it on the AARP. But once again, you know, Chicago seven, of course, did really well. Um, some odd choices pop up there, which is, um, Robin Wright for land. Mm. Oh, wow. And okay. United States. Uh, versus Billy Holiday for Best Picture, uh-huh. so it does have some some interesting choices. The, their best pictures are Minari, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Trial of Chicago Seven, and United States versus Billy Holiday. Wow. Okay. So that's there, and then and then you get to yeah. di- director Lee Daniels, Regina King, Spike Lee, Aaron Sorkin, George C. Wolf. They really loved Billy Holiday. It sounds like. Yeah. And yeah. then same thing with um, Best Ensemble, The Five Bloods, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, Promising Young Woman, Trial of Chicago 7. Um, they have some weird categories like Best Buddy Picture, Best <laughs> <laughs> best Intergenerational. <laughs> best intergenerational. What are they, Critics' Choice? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Did, fir- did First Cow get in for Best Buddy? The, the, the cow and the... 
the cone. It uh, didn't. What's his name? No, it got Hillbilly Elegy, Minari, On the Rocks, The Father, The Life Ahead. The Life Ahead. Poor The Life Ahead. That's about oh. the best it could do on this thing. But it, they obviously <laughs> didn't like Meg, needless to say. Um, it got in for actor, yeah. and that's it. Not even supporting. Um, so we'll talk about that <laughs> movie's trajectory, too. Um, but anyway, the... the What's weird about these is that like they're the AARP, but that's basically it's basically the Academy. Like they're not the Academy is is the AARP. Like they're in that age group. (laughs) So, you know, for them to like, you know, call this movies for grownups. I don't think that's what you mean. I think what you mean is (laughs) movies for seniors. (laughs) That's what it's supposed to be. It's not movies for Grown-ups. I mean, millennials are grown-ups by now. (laughs) (laughs) These guys are seniors. They're old. So, you know, but anyway, I think it's interesting to to note. I always do because I'm always looking for the movie that's hitting where it's hitting. And that doesn't mean it will win, right? Remember, Lincoln hit everywhere. And um, Lincoln was like that year when Argo won, it was like Lincoln just kept getting nominated everywhere. You know, and Argo didn't, but Argo had passion. Um, Lincoln had, you know, broad appeal and appreciation, but it was missing passion. And so that's what I think that might might come into play for Chicago 7 versus Nomadland. Um, Yeah, I think passion is usually, I think, a key factor, at least in the first part of the race. Right. Like you mentioned, you have to have a certain amount of votes certain amount of people putting your film at number one to get in. Mm. So that's, that's why I think, you know, promising young woman seems like the film that seems to have a lot of passion, at least in the Twitter sphere, but trash Chicago seven, no Land, Those are, you know, maybe Minari and Mank. Those are kind of the, the ones that I think bubble to the top of a lot of people's lists. So mm. I think that's what kind of puts them up front in the race. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, <laughs> I go back and forth on passion this year because passion is one thing that I think in a normal year would be best instigated or bred within a group setting, right? That's how it bubbles. It gets, it becomes infectious in these parties mm. and social circles and all the things that, that go on during the award right. season. How passionate are people about a film when they are sequestered, when they are in their house, when they're watching it on their television whether it's 40 50 80 inch whatever projected however they're watching it how passionate do they get about that like there's they i just i feel like people just aren't necessarily talking about film the same way this year outside of twitter that they are in normal years that's funny because i heard from two different people after the golden globes were announced and one was somebody who you wouldn't expect to know anything about the movies at all and and he said he hadn't heard of a single one and then the other was my one of my best friends who you would expect to have heard about at least some of them and she said she hadn't heard of a single one of the movies and i just thought that was so strange like why is that Uh, you know why isn't it getting out there to people even people who watch netflix i think it's i think a lot of it is we don't have that box office receipt yeah right like we don't we don't know what, you know, we're, we're, we're stuck in this bubble of Twitter and, and, and social media instead of seeing what are people seeing and what, what are the, what are the box office numbers look like? And, you know, one of the things I've noticed too, while watching TV a lot recently is I'm not seeing a whole lot of 
movie trailers, which usually around this time, the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we will get a bunch on Super Bowl Sunday because that's always no, the you, case. But I, I've actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've actually heard yeah. that we won't. We won't oh, no see kidding. any movie trailers. Nope. Oh my God. Well, see, so there you go. I think that's that's part of it. Is I don't think the studios are investing in in ads for you know the the movies since they're not in theaters. I don't know. But that's between those two things. You you don't catch the population that doesn't come to awards daily or um, variety or wherever, right? They, you know, they, a lot of times they find out about movies through the trailers on TV. So, right. And that, that maybe yeah. sort of explains why I had never heard of <laughs> Jared Leto and, and uh, Jared Leto's movie, The mm-hmm. Little Things. Like I just little things, never yeah. heard of it. It was not on my radar, nor was the uh, Goldie Hawn's daughter, Kate Hudson. Uh, in that yeah, that one came out of music. nowhere. Music. Yeah. yeah. I had heard of that because really? of the trailer. Yeah, okay. because it's it's um, it's basically about an autistic girl who hears. Uh, I don't know if it's it's a musical, obviously, but um, the autistic girl is played by Maddie Ziegler, who was the dancer in Sia's um, Chandelier. Oh video. right, sure. Yeah, and but she plays an autistic girl, and if you look at the old trailer, it's it's like. <sighs> Like, oh, it's just way over the top. And and a lot of people were very offended by the way that she was portraying somebody with autism when she doesn't have autism. And it was it was kind of like I'm going to use a quote from Tropic Thunder, which is Robert Downey Jr. saying you never go for. Right. right. Um, that's right. that's the first thing that came to yeah. my mind when I saw and I'm not I'm not saying <laughs> you're me saying she he, went full <laughs> autism. <laughs> she went full <laughs> autism. No yes. And I think people were horribly offended by that and so that's the only reason i knew of the film is because i didn't even know it was out there and i just wondered how much that those nominations cost i'm just i would love to see the dollar amount associated with those (laughs) nominations because that movie is eviscerated on uh by critics i mean it was like a 29 on rotten tomatoes the uh bath along list also you know, recognize Ammonite, which everybody else has forgotten, but they right. gave it nine shortlist nominations. Oh, I didn't put that on my chart. I should have. Wow, that's yeah. a lot. Yes, because the director um, who I follow on Twitter has been, he's been on like this one man crusade to remind people that his movie still exists. And he's just so, I, I just feel so bad for him because he's so horrified that nobody's recognizing Kate Winslet, who is fantastic in the film. No. Um, and he's just he just does I don't know if he just doesn't understand like the uh, the Oscar season. I, I don't know if he's not, you know, just paying attention to that. But he's just like, this is the best performance I think she's ever given, which I don't know if I agree with. But um, it's certainly in the top five. But it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's painful to watch to watch him sort of be so pained by it. Oh, God, I know that I have that every year, like the dole in my ear when I was Mm -hmm. trying to push so hard for that movie, but it just could not get arrested. Like it just couldn't get any traction at all, that movie. And all those people were so nice and so hopeful, you know, I hate that. It's the one thing I hate about award season is when people's hopes are dashed. Like that just really, but the problem with, with this movie, he should understand is the same problem with Dolomite, which is that Dolomite was made by white filmmakers and Kate Winslet's a straight woman. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this this is the climate that is going to ignore stuff like that and not champion it. It just is. Like they, it's another reason with you know why they would ignore the the kid with the you know performing the autism is that that's just the way that that this kind of culture is, and and that's why you sort of need the you need the audience, you need the 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 alive film community 
to, you know, correct that um, and to stand up for Kate Winslet and say, you know, this was a good performance, but but she's not getting championed because there's so many other women ahead of her that our right. people are pushing, you know. I think there was a part of it that weirded people out, too, to be honest. Um, Carol kind of had the same problem a little bit, which is that it's the older woman and the younger woman. Mm-hmm. And there's just a thing about that that people have, you know. It's a little bit with men, too, but it's less so. There's just this idea of, like, a, an older woman lesbian. <laughs> just like It's the predatory lesbian thing. It's the predatory lesbian. They just, they just see it that way. I think in my, my weird theory is that it's because most people interface with, with gay women in it, you know, two hot young lesbians, right? And they, they don't think about it in terms of, like, these are just two people who fell in love and it doesn't really matter what their age is. They don't see right. it that way. They're just used to it being, you know, um, portrait of a lady on fire, right? That's sort of the template for it. Um, so, you know, I don't think that they're willing to go there with Kate Winslet unless unless she's, she's you know, a beautiful, sexy creature, which is sort of the requirement um, for movies about gay women. Sorry, there's a siren going by. Let's just pause. I mean, I think that has a lot to do with it. I also think... It, it, you know, in, in circles where this film would have done extraordinarily well, it kept getting compared to um, mm-hmm. Portrait of a Lady on Fire as right. if you can only have one lesbian movie. I know. I know. And, and I mean, it's a different story. It's it's not just about their love. It is about science. It is about her being an archaeologist, about her living alone on this incredibly difficult environment and, you know, and, and, and you know, digging for these fossils and and being a powerful woman in the scientific field and then having to give it all up to men. I mean, it's 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 about so much more than just her relationship with Saoirse Ronan. I know. And I loved how she you know she was given the choice of, you know, you can come live with me and live in this room, you know, and be like my plaything or whatever. And uh, and she she Saoirse Ronan fully expected her to think that that was a great way to live and that that was a, a gift. You know, it's like Nomadland is kind of has the same message, but she just sort of said, no, you know, this is my my life is my work and right. I can't do this, you know, even for you. Well, <laughs> Francis Lee's big mistake was not casting Greta Gerwig. Oh, God, help us. <laughs> no, and you know what? You're not even, that is absolutely true. If she played that part, that she'd be nominated. No question about it. And that's nothing against uh, Kate, who's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry that, that this is the culture we live in, but it just is, you know, at least on Twitter anyway. Uh, and, and and this year, Twitter is informing the Oscar race because there's no other source. God, it sounds like I live in New York. <laughs> There's a, there's a hot time going on in Burbank right now. I, I can't even imagine what that's about, but um, it's usually just dead quiet here. Nothing goes on. But um, all right, so let's let's just really quickly go through um, how we think. Let's just each of us. I know I know that we we have a little bit of a difference of ideology here because I know that Mark has been you've been an early advocate for Chicago Seven. And, um, and, you know, you kind of called it early, but I think before anybody else really did, that it was going to be a strong contender, uh, maybe the front runner. I certainly didn't. I think I've kind of missed the boat on Chicago 7. I think I probably need to watch it again. Um, because when I saw it, I just thought, yeah, this is funny and interesting, but the, the British people playing American accents is bugging me. And then the, you know, the end kind of bugged me. And I just felt like it went on a little bit too long. But 
obviously people really like it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's coming on very strong here in the last part. It's much stronger than I thought. So I have to give you props, Mark, for that because you definitely called that early. Um, the, uh, and the reason, part of the reason, I mean, there was kind of twofold that I felt that way. And I think, I don't think, I mean, I don't want to say I was alone on that. There were, I think, several, you know, a lot of us that thought that. But um, right off the bat, my first thought was SAG after watching mm-hmm. um, Parasite take the, the uh, ensemble last year and, and then go on to win Best Picture. And, you know, the actors make up the biggest part of the Academy. And this movie is loaded with acting and actors and all giving, I, I thought all giving really great performances, um, that down the line, there's, um, you know, so many great performances in it. So I think part of that's the deal, but the other part that kind of had me on it was Trump and the mm-hmm. zeitgeist of the climate that we were in as that was being seen. And, you know, the theme of the whole world is watching and then, you know, com- tie that into the, what happened at the Capitol building and I think there's a reason it probably showed up very large with BAFTA on that list is the fact that I, I think there, I, I think, you know, a lot of times America is, you know, on stage for the rest of the world, you know, sometimes leading the way, sometimes not. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, if, if that kind of the political wind behind it kind of swept up overseas as well as here. Yeah, I, I mean, see, that's a problem. One of the problems I have with it is that uh, that and I, you know, I don't definitely don't want to talk about this too much because it's definitely mm-hmm. I don't need yet another reason for people, people to hate me. But, um, you know, they were they were those guys, those those uh, those guys, Abby Hoffman and, and um, back then they were very much anti-government. Um, what year does right. it take place? Does it take place in 68? Se- I think is it 68 or is it in the early well, 69? It, it's the year after. Okay. Because the riot happened in 68, and uh, I think the trial extended into 69. All right. So, so here's, here's my problem with it is that, and and it's just, it's sort of a philosophical problem that I'm having overall. And I won't bore you guys with it, but, um, you know, the, the Capitol riot was, was kind of philosophically what they did. You know, what they did was, was an anti-government, it wasn't an insurrection, but it was attacking the government. And, and back then they hated Nixon so much that everything they did was against the government, against the FBI, and they hated and distrusted the government. And like, that plays when Donald Trump is in power, but how does it play when Biden's in power? You know, like, uh, how is that sentiment, if we're talking about insurrectionists and we're talking about being anti-violent and we have like a green zone set up outside the Capitol, doesn't that sort of contradict the message of the movie, which is that protesting <laughs> is good and you should <laughs> break down the gates? doesn't it? So I have to watch it again and, and ask myself about that and, and see how I feel. I don't think anybody else is going to go that deep, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, maybe not. But I think I think your points are, are valid. I think um, I wonder how many I, I don't know how to say this. So you, you're using a lot of insight I would say. And I wonder how many like me are maybe not <laughs> smart enough to <laughs> put no, it together no. that way right um not, you know, no that's i, I don't I think it's admit, that i, I mean admit I, that. I think that it's it's my weird fixation on seeing both sides which oh. i've been doing forever and i feel like that's probably a problem here for me because i'm trying what i'm trying to do mark is i'm trying to figure out what's going to be the motivation for people yeah. to vote for this movie what what's the motivation what's the passion like i think I, five or ten yeah. years ago it would be 
Aaron Sorkin's great movie that he just made, and we're going to celebrate him, and we're going to, like Ben Affleck with Argo, right? Argo didn't that's, win because they liked the movie. Oh. It won because of him. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. But that's, no, you're fine. That, that's that's ex, that's actually the movie that I continue to compare it to since I first saw Trial of Chicago 7 is Argo. It's, it's the most movie of all the movies right. we have, right? Mm-hmm. Right? It's It's got that, you know, comic relief, uh, timely drama, and a um, an, an ending that is very uplifting and and that rah rah kind of like Argo had right. It's very yeah to me. It's very similar to that movie, and I I think that's I think Argo was on my mind while watching it, and that's why I've kind of left it out in front. To me, it's and this is, I'll put it a slightly different way. To me, it's the movie that everyone can agree on almost that expects the least of its viewers because yeah. Sorkin puts it all out there yeah. right on his sleeve where he's got, <laughs> yeah. and this is the, one of the things that I, I mean, I, I like the movie. I've seen it twice. I like the movie. Fine. Um, I didn't think it was like the best thing of the year, but you know, I, I didn't hate it. Um, but the thing that bothers me is every time he you know, it culminates in Abby Hoffman, giving this pro-democracy speech when Abby Hoffman wanted in real know, life, exactly. wanted to burn it all down. Well, exactly. That's it. And I, I just, it just doesn't, it doesn't ride with me. It doesn't, it doesn't sit. It's, it's dishonest. It's basically Abby Hoffman with speaking for Aaron Sorkin. But the movie saves itself, in my opinion, in one scene, which I loved, which was had Tom Hayden really dressing him down and saying mm-hmm. like, this is bad. Like this is, this is going to make us, you know, fall behind. And it did actually. Uh, and uh, no, that's true that they, they make them out like good guys when, when, you know, they, they were very destructive, very violent. They were advocating for stuff like you saw at the January 6th. Like that was kind of thing that Abby Hoffman would have celebrated. There were people mm-hmm. in the movement that were uh, praising Charles Manson for what he did. Um, the weathermen, did they they praised him because he they thought it was sticking it to the rich like that was the attitude back in 69 so you know that and the democrats have flipped completely on that they have flipped a hundred percent they they're well i mean not when it came to the protests I, i think if i had to pick a reason i think it would be about that black lives matter protest more than anything and um and how people feel about that you know maybe it feels sort of invigorating in that way you know Right. Do you think part of it, <clears throat> maybe what makes it different, and I apologize if this comes off very liberal or democratic, but like you kind of think about what they were fighting for in <clears throat> 68, 69, you know, in the, you know, kind of in the heart of the civil rights movement and everything and, it, you know, Vietnam and all that. And it feels yeah. like a almost more of a just cause for such a thing, whereas the Capitol building was to keep Trump in office. Like, yeah, but like, to them the it was. A, but they thought it was a just cause. They thought that they were yeah, they were dismantling a corrupt government, not just Trump. Right. But those right. guys. It was about the media. Right. It was about the Democrats. It was about the elites. It was about the oligarchs. Like they were very much in the sentiment of the Abby Hoffmans. Weirdly yeah. enough, they're just not hippies. Yeah, it is odd. Look at the guy in the horns. Like Abby Hoffman would have loved that guy. You know. <laughs> but um, yeah. but the difference is is that fighting Vietnam. I agree with you. That was there wasn't a bigger justice and, and civil rights too. Like these both of these causes were worth dying for. Um, he was carpet bombing in Vietnam, like killing hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands. So it was very corrupt. Um, Trump, you know, Trump is offensive. Like he he wasn't killing hundreds of thousands of people. 
So to me, it's just a different kind of sensibility. But I, but I do agree with you that I think that people will f maybe, maybe that's what they're connecting with. Maybe they feel like that. Maybe they feel like somehow they unseated a corrupt government and it takes this kind of activism to remember your center and remember your moral center and remember what's right and wrong and what is American and not American. He just picked a weird movie to do that with and, and characters who, you know, are up, if they were alive today, I, I can promise you, you would be hearing some pretty shocking stuff from them. Um, oh, they would hate it. They would hate that movie. Because I mean, it makes them good guys, movie. right? They didn't want to be thought of that way. Right. Um, they want to be thought of as rebel badasses, but um, but but that the Oscars aren't about reality, right? They're they're about you know, and I'm sure that you could find a million reasons to poke at Argo and say that that was sort of philosophically and ideally wrong. But the whole point is, do people go with you when they watch the movie? Are they with you? That's really what brings in a Best Picture winner. You know, like you can sit there and pick it apart all you want, but really it's about those two hours that they sit in front of the the, the movie and watch it. And if they're sold that, on this, you know. Yeah, and that's ex I mean, that's a great point to where, like, when you think of Trash Guy Seven, Nomadland, Mank, probably the three highest contenders, that it's the most accessible of the three. It's the you know, like I'm like I mentioned, mm -hmm. it's the most movie of them, right? Nomadland and Mank are you know more critically acclaimed i guess would be a way of saying it whereas the audience score of the trial chicago seven i don't know if they if there is such a thing right now but if there was you know when they you know people exit theaters and they do that i, I would imagine trial would score higher than the other two from audiences well the closest thing you have to that right now is and is the rotten tomatoes audience score like okay. there is no cinema okay. score right now and and I was going to bring this up, actually. So it was a great segue. Thank you, Mark. Um, Chicago 7 has a 91 audience score. So yeah. people yeah. watch yeah. it, and they go on this website, and they rate it, and it gets it's the 91. Mank has a 61. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And so, Nomadland is not going to be higher <laughs> well, than Well, Nomadland is, hasn't even released yet, so it doesn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is yeah, and I, I have to admit, Clarence, that is, that is definitely – I never thought Mank was a Best Picture winner. I guess my question for for it now is is will it even get nominated? Like that's really where I'm at in terms of picture and director. As you know, it's my favorite movie of the year, so it's really heartbreaking for me to take it off the predictions list. But I'm wondering if Emerald Fennell for um, Promising Young Woman is going to take his spot in Best Director. I, well, I would say as far as the film's chances, I think it looks really good again. And after Golden Globes. Was all you know? Did, I mean, it was the leader there, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, so yeah, I led, but... led with that. That's going to give it some great airtime and press, and you know, showing up in picture, director, screenplay, the AFI list. Uh, it, you know, it did it, it did pretty well so far. I, maybe a little better than I maybe even thought it would. As far as Fennell, I, I do have Fennell ahead of Fincher, but I still have Fincher in my five. I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see who fills that last spot or two between like david fincher spike lee regina king mm. like that i could see those that group kind of fighting it out but all right let's do know. let's do best yeah. director what's your best director yeah, yeah. five that you have right now um counting down to one or counting up to five what would you like just one to five one to five i still have zhao uh clay zhao is that how you say it zhao yeah zhao every time i say it zhao okay right. <laughs> every time i say it i know i like feel like i'm doing it wrong so Zhao, I have uh, in the number one spot, then Sorkin, then Fennell, then Fincher, and then Spike Lee with Regina King in the sixth spot. 
Um, okay. So they just released the Gurus of Gold. I'm looking here, and they didn't. Oh yeah. Yeah, they didn't ask us for a director. So. Oh yeah, right. And I, I'd be curious to hear about that. But but right now my director is um, Zhao. I don't think she's losing. Um, and then after this, we'll talk just quickly about, you guys got to tell me when you have to go. I, obviously, I have no okay. life, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but just tell me, like, right about what time you want to, uh, like publicists do. They're all, five more minutes. I just have five more minutes. <laughs> Two more minutes. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so I, I would go with um, just looking at the Globes um, director and looking at BAFTA shortlist. I hope that Mank getting blanked, bl blanked Mank <laughs> from the SAG isn't going to hurt its momentum because people are really about that. Like they feel excited if they're, um, it's actually a chemical thing. Like they feel a boost of testosterone when they're like standing next to or relating to a winner and they feel a drop in testosterone if they're next to a loser. And so that's why the awards race is based on perception as you go along. That's how it can change. For instance, just as a quick example, I think that the reason that Parasite won, even though a lot of people were predicting it early, is I really do think it was that SAG standing ovation it got. Like, I think that that completely changed the trajectory of the race right then because people saw the enthusiasm. They saw the love for the movie. They saw the look of surprise on the cast members' faces. And it was such a pivotal, meaningful moment that anybody who hadn't seen the movie would have sat down and watched it right then. What's all the fuss about? You know, they would want to know. So I feel like if people see this and they start talking about it in a negative way, it'll lose, it will lose the momentum that it had coming out of the, the globes. At the end of the day, the movie is the movie and the director is the director. Um, and as we know, Fincher doesn't make movies for this kind of thing. Like his movies aren't, you know, for awards. They're just not, they, you know, I was just talking to this guy and he was talking about 1976 and we were talking about, network and all the president's men and taxi driver and rocky and it's like you know it doesn't matter how good the other movies are if they if they don't inspire that kind of emotional response then they're not going to win on a consensus vote right they have people have to be voting for something for an emotion that they feel so i think that where mank is concerned I, the bafta long list gives me hope unless it starts to deflate from here on out. But looking at that, it comes in very strong, I think, on that list. And um, and I think they love Fincher and respect him, and, and I think that he'll... I think he has a better chance of director than the movie even has of Best Picture. Yeah. Um, so I would go with uh, Chloe Zhao. It's really tough. And then Aaron Sorkin's got to be number two. And then um, probably Regina King gets in. Uh, that's three... I think they would love it if there was another female in there. I don't know how they're relating to Promising Young Woman. I have no idea. Yeah. It didn't do as well at the SAG as I thought it would. Um, it's doing really well with BAFTA. They obviously love it. So those British voters are going to push it through. But i got to put in David Fincher and then Regina King. I think that's my five. Sorry to make that so long-winded. So you do have Fennell? No. She's six. So, fin so who's your... Maybe I missed one. You said Fincher, King, Sorkin, Zhao, and who was your fifth? Oh, did I not say a five? Then I'll have to go I with think... uh, with uh, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Love that. I think that sounds about right to me, you know? Yeah. What do you think, Clarence, for director? Um, well, Zhao, Sorkin, Fincher, um, 
perspective? I would say either Regina King or Emerald, Emerald Fennell. And then I, I do think Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, because I think Minari yes. is, is, is really coming on strong. I do too, yeah. Um, so I, I think I, I don't know, I probably would go with uh, Promising Young Woman. I feel like Promising Young Woman has more conversation behind it than um, One Night in Miami, although I agree One Night in, uh, Promising Young Woman, yeah, One Night in Miami did better at SAG than um, Promising Young Woman. I don't know. It, that It's one of those two. Yeah. It's I don't think it's Spike two. Lee. Spike Lee. Boy, that's a tough one. Yeah. He's, he's hard to ignore, but... <laughs> you know, I, I, I hate to, like, bring this up with people because they, they always hate it when I do, but, you know, the, the awards voters can really only focus on one thing at a time, and it's like, if, you, <laughs> if you're yelling at them for not having any black nominees, and then the next year you get Black Panther and you get Black Klansmen and you get, you know... Right. I think that they, you know, when they focus hard on something, they, they can come through, and I, I feel like this year they're focusing on women, you know, and, and so... That's why I think it's going to be harder for them to, you know. It's such a great year for black film, though. If I, yeah. you know, when yeah. you think about, you know, The Five Bloods, One Night in Miami, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Judas and the Black Messiah, The United States versus Billy Holiday. There's a lot of I contenders know. I know. with black casts. And I think all of those had black directors, they right? They did. Except, Absolutely. Yeah, no, all, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I, I yeah. So Regina King, Spike Lee, I, I, I think that's why I have one five and one six. I, I think one gets in. Um, maybe both. I actually wonder if uh, Shaka King for Judas and the yeah. Black Messiah is is oh, going to come in so. stronger because people have the opportunity to have seen it more yeah. broadly by the time um, the Academy yeah. votes. It also did really well on the um, the Baftish long list <laughs> i keep bringing that up that it's is... so stupid but um i just think it's interesting that spike lee got left off of that when it got all these other nominations i think that that is sort of key to this whole thing it could be it could be not i don't think that the directors are going to award him for the five bloods i think that they're not going to see that as good mm. enough not after black klansman which was excellent and i yeah. think that regina king in my opinion, did some really impressive work with uh, with One Night in Miami. I also think that I, like Robin Wright's Land, you should watch that. Like it's not exceptional, really, particularly in a way that would make it stand out. But I enjoyed the fuck out of that movie. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, I think people should watch it. Like she's she's got she's got a gift. I think when I first saw One Night in Miami, my first thought was, "Wow, Regina King can really direct," and I was surprised, honestly. Oh. Um, that her first time out, she would do such a good job, but she really does. So I got to put my, I think I got to put my prediction behind her, but Emerald Fennell, same thing. Like, wow. Yeah. Right. How do you ignore that? Right. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting. So it could be the three women get in. And I then... mean, well, yeah, if you know, it's, it's been a great year for black cinema. It's been a great year for female directed films. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can list like six or seven strong contenders with, female directors this year so yeah so yeah. i think if they did that that would that would go a long way to ease the uh the complaints yeah. against them and then they would right. have you know they would have you know chinese woman they would have a black woman right. they would have a white woman yeah. and you know it covers all the ground so you know nobody could complain about that you know it'd be yeah. until would... aaron sorkin wins <laughs> exactly <laughs> no that's why he won't win it'll be Zhao, fanel <laughs> king 
And Lee Isaac Chung and Sorkin and <laughs> no, Sorkin wins. He won't know. No uh, way is he going to win. Now, now let's I, just. I can't imagine. Okay, so quickly let's talk about uh, um, who we think will win SAG Ensemble, and then I want to do um, how you think these awards at the top are going to um, play out in the end, and, and we have to kind of divide them. And and uh, but first, yeah. let's talk. I, I I I personally think that there's no way they're going to look at the lineup and pick the only white guy movie. <laughs> like I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> But what do you guys think? You think it just can't lose, right? I mean, that's the award I've been banking on for yeah. trial. From so, yeah, I, I think it'll be trial. I still think it'll be trial, too. I understand what you're saying, Sasha, but I I just think... Because this is the entire SAG after thing, right? I mean, I, I don't yeah. know that all of after necessarily cares about that. Right. Partly that, but partly um, it is the crowd pleaser of the bunch, you know? Right. And then that, I think it's going to make a huge difference. It's just really hard for me to make that choice because I know exactly what's going to happen after that movie went. <laughs> it's going to I, be exhausting. Because <laughs> people are going to be I, I so mad. You, as like, as the one white cast, if, if, you know, if we want to say that, I mean, it, it's, it still has themes of civil rights and Yaya is a big part in it. He's one of the best performances in the movie. And, Absolutely, yeah. You know, so I, you know, I don't but think he's... Bound and gagged, and he's taken off in yeah. the first part. Yeah, and he's and he's not in it nearly enough. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, and I wish I wish he was in it more. Here's the problem: is this is it? And I, you know, I wish that I wasn't cursed to see the future. But after doing this for twenty years and forcing myself, I, I and now I can see the future, and I can tell you exactly what's yeah. going to happen, which okay. is that people are going to get mad that that it's a white savior movie, just like Green Book, and it's going to go through that oh, same yeah. absolutely, oh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. It's best bet is to not try to be that, you know, to not try to be a civil rights movie, but rather just to be a movie about you know, these these guys. I don't know how you sell it except on people like it the most. Right. So what do you think then, if it's not trial, what do you think wins SAG Ensemble? I, I actually think that um, because my theory is that they're going to want to repeat what happened with Parasite when Parasite won and it was such a big deal and they got such a big hit off of it. Remember... People's social cred is based on this, right? This is a big deal for them because it tells people who they are. Like, if you're Laura Dern, what movie are you going to want to win the SAG that you can put on your Instagram and be proud of? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry to be so <laughs> crass about it, but it's really true. So so that therein lies the problem, right? Because I could see One Night in Miami winning. I could see Five Bloods winning. I could see Ma Rainey winning. Um, my instinct is telling me Ma Rainey because yeah. I feel like the Chaz Mc, Chadwick Boseman um, wave is going to hit and people are going to be crying and standing up and applauding and it's going to be this big thing. Mm. Um, so I feel like if Chicago 7 wins, it's going to be bad for Chicago 7 because it's not going to win the DGA. Forget it. Like it's it's not. So and is it going to win the PGA? Maybe. So you know, if it only wins the SAG, then it comes into the race in the position of Crash or Parasite. And that's a long shot to win Best Picture. Um, but if it doesn't win Best Picture at the SAG, if something else does, um, then I think it has a little bit of a better chance because it won't get attacked and it won't get dinged. You know? Mm -hmm. That's my theory, anyway. Ma Rainey winning Best Ensemble would be a great way to recognize that cast, too, because they're all not going to get, I mean, you know, they're all great, but they're all not going to get nominated. Um, so it's a it's the perfect sort of purpose for that award. It's doing yeah. exactly what it's cut out to do, which is to reward a 
broadly performing, well-performing cast. Yes. And if, if Viola Davis wins Best Actress and Chadwick Boseman wins Best Actor, then something else can win Ensemble. But if only Chadwick Boseman wins for Actor and Viola Davis doesn't win, then I will bet you that they'll put their money behind Ma Rainey so that they can award her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they want to pick, like, say, Carrie Mulligan for Best Actress, they're going to want to double up on that Ma Rainey. Nothing is going to bring down the house more than that movie winning just because of Chad, Chadwick Boseman. And it reminds me of when The Help was up, you know, and, and it won in 2011 and the artist went on to win Best Picture. Chicago 7 has to fly under the radar if it wants to win. If it makes itself a target, it's going to get attacked and then people are going to feel uncomfortable voting for it. Yeah. They'll pick something else. And I, I think that's something I think we already see on Twitter is the comparisons to, I think, Green Book was a great comparison. I think that's what they, that's what I get from the vibe from people that are turned away from trial winning Best Picture. Right. Is is uh, that same kind of vibe, which, yeah. If I really want to kill my reputation, I'll tell you what I really think, which is that, <laughs> <laughs> who cares by now, right? Like none of these people even pay attention to me anymore. But um, <laughs> the Mark Harris's and the Scott Feinberg's, like, forget it. But um, but yeah, they their vote tells people who they are. Right. What they align with is like a badge. It's a it's a virtue signal. It's what defines us as an industry, as a community. Does this movie, like a, a white guy movie, define us? No, you know. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't help us. It doesn't give us the hit of we're doing good for the community in 2020 after this, you know, year of this unprecedented uprising of the black community demanding equality and justice. So and not to mention the BAFTA's inclusion, the Academy's inclusion of, you know, mandates or whatever they are, you know, all of that is going to come into play. It's really hard for me to imagine that they're just going to abandon all that and say, yeah, let's go with the movie that has, is directed and written by a white guy starring all white men. <laughs> it's just, yeah. the chances of it happening are so slim, but at the same time, the stats don't lie, you know, and I'm often wrong. So I can't, I can't pretend that I know exactly what's going to happen. I really don't. But one thing I do know is if it wins the SAG, it immediately becomes a target. Yeah, and you got to remember, every time they walk into the Dolby Theater, they go through those columns and they have to walk by a green book <laughs> winning Best Picture with that They're written right there in a little plaque on the column that says green book. <laughs> and they, they feel <laughs> such a sense of shame about that because I've talked to a few people who do, even though it's a fine movie and they, and they really you know shouldn't be ashamed of it. It's just that they do feel that way because if, if there's one group of people in this world that doesn't want to be thought of as racist, it's the Academy. <laughs> so, they, they've made that clear. <laughs> they made that clear, and they feel like they're doing the right thing when they picked Green Book and when they picked Crash. They thought that they were picking movies that were, you know, about racism. And uh, oh, yeah. so they didn't understand, but I, I feel like they, they now know, and they really don't want to be the target. So they're going to be voting that way. They didn't used to. They used to be very um, – they used to push back a lot on that, but, but now it's come to a point where they can't really push back anymore. So um, – but – all of that said, there is always the chance that, you know, Ma Rainey and if people want to put their power behind an all-black cast at SAG, that they might split up their vote with, you know, uh, One Night in Miami and uh, The Five Bloods and Ma Rainey. If those all split up the vote and then Chicago 7 is just kind of a, a natural favorite, it could definitely pull ahead and win. I think it's definitely the smart prediction. There was broader support, though, for Minari. How do you figure? 
in well, I mean, it got three nominations, right? I mean, it got Stephen Young and it got uh, Yoon Jung Yao um, in for supporting actress, right? So Chicago Seven just had the one nomination first oh, for a performance. So it only is coming in with two. Yeah. Oh, that's right. interesting. I didn't think about that. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is terrible in that part. <laughs> I don't know why he's getting accolades. <laughs> like to me, the only good one is is uh, Franklin Jella. Like I, I. You know, Sasha Baron Cohen doing that accent is just, it's torture to watch. But he is the toast of the town, that guy. So he's doing really well. Yeah. Um, okay, just just uh, let me know when you guys got to go, okay? I think it looks like we're going mm-hmm. on an hour now. I'm yeah. still good for a little bit longer. Yeah, okay. Same. Do you want to do half hour more and then call Yeah, sure. Okay, so we'll, we'll go for half hour. So um, go I want to ask a question, changing the subject a little bit. What is going on? With Maria Baklo- Bakalova <laughs> and Borat, and I'm not going to put her in the same category as Jared Leto, but um, I, I, I don't know. I saw Borat too, and I just was like, everybody's yeah. talking about her yeah. getting, you know, winning Best Supporting Actress, and she started to win Critics Awards, and I was like, oh, that's nice, just like you know Jennifer Lopez last year, or, or um, <laughs> you know, or uh, uh, there was another performance that that critics were raving about that didn't get. Um, um, I'm drawing a blank, but. Why? Why? Like, why? I, I don't understand it. I'm legitimately at a loss. Is she going to get nominated for an Oscar over Amanda Seyfried? <laughs> like, I'm I'm literally going to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could help you. I never watched that movie because I cannot stand oh. Sasha Baron Cohen anymore. Oh, like, I, no. He's I just. Love, I love it, Borat. <laughs> is it funny? I liked the first one, but I didn't like him when he became an activist. I liked him when he was poking fun at, at activism. With his yeah. show, it was so funny. Oh, it was the best show ever, Dialogy Show. Oh my god, that and then oh the one god. that he, the latest one he did with the um, where he made fun of the pussy hat guy, <laughs> the, oh the liberal. I don't know if you watched that. It was the awesome. funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. He's like, I'm gonna do a birth simulation. <laughs> but yeah, you know, his latest thing, because you know Trump just basically broke everybody. Like he really oh, yeah. did, especially men. Like men, I think more than anything, like they saw the women were sort of falling apart and they wanted to come in as protectors and they and they really had a hard time with Trump and I feel like it, it really did break that that thing of like I can just be a funny guy now I have to really help save the world you know mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people appreciate that um, I think that's why he's doing um, pretty well but um, I think okay so let me just say I think Amanda Seyfried is going to get in um I'm certainly going to continue to push as hard as I can for her. I haven't seen that Borat, so I don't know how good that yeah. Maria Bakalova is. Maybe she's great, you know. <laughs> it's undeniable. But it's know. is it? That's just, this is the whole philosophical question that I get into. Right. Is it a performance? It right. is. I mean, it's not. It is not. It is. It is improv. Right. Yeah, it, it is not a traditional acting role. It is. It is improv. She is. But she's reacting in the moment. So is it. Is it better than acting? She's not got. She doesn't have a script. She's. She's having to react to Rudy Giuliani at, on the moment. You know, on the fly. And I just. I. I don't know. I don't know how the yeah. Academy will regard that. And it, and then there's a whole scene where she's on the floor at a debutante ball, lifting her skirt up with a <laughs> fake giant '70s bush hanging out. I mean. Oh uh, yeah. That's so no, that's funny. Listen, as I'm as I'm as uh, confused as you might be as well. Um, I, I might have been quicker on trial Chicago Seven in the picture category. I was probably one of the last people to move Bakalova into my five. 
I held off on that as long as I could because I just thought you got to be kidding me. Right. Um, (laughs) I mean, she's good and she's hilarious. And I mean, like you said, I think it's probably more difficult and there's some kind of script that they have, but you, you have to improv it as things unfold that are unscripted. Right. Um, And so, yeah, there's some definite talent there to be able to do what she did, but it's, I mean, it's not an Oscar performance. I, I don't know how else to say it, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree hundred percent with everything you said. She is very talented. The fact that she can carry yeah. that. I mean, I guarantee you 90% of the actors in Hollywood would never be able to do what she did, but do they oh, look God. at that and think that is a, an Academy award winning performance right. or even nominated? Or nominated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's when you, when you're up against performances like Ellen Burstyn and Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman and Seyfried right. and Yoon, I mean, it's it's like it stands out like a th- sore thumb a little bit there. And right, well, uh, you we're, know, we're, it's, it's hard to deny after Globes and SAG and well, tons she, but, of credits. But in, the, in the Globes, she's in the lead category, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. So that disrupts it a tiny bit, but um, yeah. you know, just a little bit because it does yeah. it does make you question. You know, is she leader? Is she supporting? We don't know how the Academy is going to respond to that, but, um, and she's in the comedy category. Uh, I would probably go with Seyfried, but, but it is going to depend. And, and that's mainly only because of the British voters, which I think are going to take to Mank a lot more than the American ones are. But I think that um, basically we're looking at in supporting actress, we're looking at Glenn Close probably winning. I'm just going to say yep. that she's probably going to win like because the yep. competition isn't that fierce. They're really going to have to hate her not That's to it. give her the, the, the Oscar for That's this. You know? yeah. And if it's not her, it's going to be the woman from Minari. That's my mm-hmm. hope. Which I'm not going to say her name because I'll butcher it and then I'll get hate mail. So you guys, <laughs> you can try it if you want. I'm the, wor- I'm the worst with <laughs> No, I am the too, worst. So don't worry. I'm the worst with Between spelling. Between the two of us. Clarence will pick. Clarence will say it, and we'll just say yes that one. Yeah, go ahead, Clarence. You can say. Young Jung Zhao. Young Jung Zhao. Zhao. Really? That's how you say. And Yao? you know what? She's fantastic in it. But she, yeah. Oh my God, she's my favorite supporting actress it's, performance of the year. I loved her. She's great. It's a great she's movie. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um, but Glenn Close, come on. I mean, how do you deny yeah. that? Like that's just not. Not yeah. fair. I mean, if that happens, like that's that's really just really a terrible tragedy. <laughs> but um, so it's the two of them, I think, primarily. But but I also yeah. think that um, so those are our two, right? And then we've got mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman. She's undeniable. She's absolutely not, she's gonna get fantastic. She is the greatest yeah. actress who ever lived. I'm convinced of this now that I watched <laughs> The Crown. She's so she's good awesome. in The Crown, and she's so yeah, good in I mean, Fleabag. It, and and none of these performances are as good as Gillian Anderson in the, the Crown. <laughs> just FYI. I just the Crown is so spectacular. How do any movies compete with that? How do any gotta, movies compete with the Crown? Like they just can't. They can't be that good. They cannot yeah. be that good. That Crown, from season one to season four, is like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so much better than it even had to be. You know. I don't even think it knows how good it is. <laughs> it's that good. <laughs> but okay, so those are our. So what do we got here? We've got Glenn Close. We've got Clarence. Coleman. Her name. <laughs> Glenn Close Coleman. You know, Young. Now you've made me sound. <laughs> Just to say Young. I can't even say it now. Okay, Minari. Um, Seyfried. Seyfried, yes. And she might be. Maria, Helena Zingle. Helena Zingle is going to get in. Yeah, she's actually really good. It's pretty much a lead performance. 
So I feel like that's going to be a strong. If you watch that movie, you can't deny her that that nomination. I, I, I ever saw it at the moment. I I, I still have Baklova in there. Is she better than Little, little oh. Single? Oh, I mean, no, I wouldn't say. But no. it's hard to deny some of the. I mean, she Baklova's won like the, the second awards. Get out of the bubble. Get well, you know, uh, Zengel has Globes and SAG now. Yeah. That's, yeah. But so does Bakalova. But not you, in the same category. Like lead, but she still, she still got recognized there, you know? She did. So I still have, I have her four, and then I have Seyfried fifth, and Burston and Zengel on the bubble. Burston and Zengel. See, I would, if I, if I was being, like, not true to my yeah. heart, I would put, I would put Zengel up, and I would put... I would put yeah. Seyfried down on the bubble, unfortunately. Um, I just, child, how, how often, I'd have to look up some numbers, but children actors don't fear as well, right? Yeah, but she's really good. She is. Yeah. Was, was Haley Steinfeld nominated? Yes, for she Yeah. Yes. Was she, okay, because she was, that. that's one of my favorite kid performances, if, if you will. Right. So now we're going to have to figure out if News of the World is going yeah. to do anything at the Oscars at all. Like, is it is it going to be completely shut out as it has been? <laughs> but it did no. it did place yeah. at the uh, at the uh, BAFTA long list for what that's worth, and they love Paul Greengrass, so it could be resurrected there. That's really its last chance. I think it has a lot of shots with the techs, like cinematography and mm. score and production design. Right. I think it, I think it'll show up well with guilds and things like that. Adapted screenplay, maybe. 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 Did it it didn't get into the script or did it? No, but it won in BR for screenplay. Right, right. I have to look at that stat. Um, okay, so <clears throat> let me just just want to talk about how these awards could go down. Let's say Nomad Land wins Best Director. Let's just say yep. for the hell of it, Chicago Seven wins Best Picture. <laughs> I pre- I'm personally not predicting it to win, but but let's just say right. it does. So yeah. now that means it has to also win original screenplay. And probably will win at least supporting actor, and it might win editing. I don't know if it wins supporting actor, but I do. I do have it up front for editing. <laughs> could win editing, and it could win. No, it's going to win supporting. Who else is going to win supporting actor if it's not? Oh, Daniel. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, right, Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya. That's. I haven't seen that damn movie yet because I couldn't get it to work on my screener. But that is the movie I think of this whole year that I've wanted to see more than any other. The, from the second I saw that trailer, Kaluuya, man, he just looked incredible. And um, I know it's a late release, but he still got in with Globes and SAG. No, he's right? great. So I, but so, I, I yeah. actually really loved it. But I think Clarence was a little mixed on it. Okay. I I was <laughs> not to out, uh, but you, I am Clarence. definitely you just outed me. Um, <laughs> <I'm> but <sorry>. I. <laughs> Are you mixed on his performance? <laughs> no, no, I think he's fantastic. Right. Yeah, I, I he's just, great. He's great. Um, it's it's. I get into this mode where I get so distracted from watching things on screeners at home. On <laughs> you know, there's just so much going on. Like I, I need to be for some things. I need to be in a theater, um, and right. and sort of sequestered <laughs> and watching and focusing on it. And and I think. I just I, I was too distracted watching it. I need to see it again. I will see it again when it comes back out on HBO Max uh, or it comes out on HBO Max next Friday. But I just I felt like the first hour was very good. And then there's a point at which I feel like it just goes off the rails and it just becomes wildly unfocused. 
but that's just my opinion. I, I, I will definitely revisit it as I need to revisit um, Nomadland, but I would also rather have a, uh, a root canal than watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, um, I know a guy who, you know, he's very active on film Twitter. He's really good at predicting. And he, he, uh, he's the one who tried to tell me that Minari wasn't going to get in for um, SAG Ensemble. And I argued with him and said it was, and I knew why it would. Of course, I took it off my predictions at the last minute like an idiot, but um, I know. But but he wrote me and said, you were right. You know, that was a good call. And I was like, yeah, it would have been if I... But he, um, he was very anticipatory, very happy and excited about uh, um, this movie. Um, but he saw it and he, he said he was really, really disappointed and he didn't think it was very good, which was odd for me because I, 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 when I saw the movie, I thought, wow, this is really good. But I went into it thinking it was going to be bad. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it exceeded my expectations. And I think if you go in thinking it's going to be great, you might watch it and go, mm, this isn't so good. You know? <laughs> it really does depend on that, I think, how you... And I think that's yeah, going to be what's hard for Nomadland, actually, yeah. is that I think that people are going to have heard so much about it before they sit down and watch it. It's a very subtle movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not filled with actors. And it's really like, you know, um, it's just basically about her. So I think that's going to be hard for it to overcome. But I think that once she wins a single award and people see her win one and hold a statue, like with Catherine Bigelow, Catherine Bigelow and the same with Danny Boyle and Slumdog Millionaire, they're just some people that you really love to see win. And when they win and they get up there, it really, it, Parasite is another one. And yeah. it just changes the trajectory of the race. And when people see little tiny Chloe Zhao winning for best director, <laughs> Like yeah. at the Globes, like that is going to change the trajectory of the race. They're going to want to come back for that feeling. So you think she's winning at the Globes? Yeah, I, I think do. She's winning everything. Uh, don't you? Yeah, I think I think she wins Spirit Globes, DGA, and then Oscar. Yeah. Now I don't know how she's going to be at the mic. I did see her one time at the drive-in to to watch Nomadland, and she seemed just absolutely charming. <laughs> So I feel like when people see this tiny Chinese woman <laughs> winning for best director, <laughs> I think they're going to just be caught up in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think we might be looking at a situation where you're looking at a kind of a, a Catherine Bigelow versus Jim Cameron type of thing where you could set up a Chicago seven as Jim Cameron, mean old white guy. Versus, you know, <laughs> nice woman that everybody wants to see do well. I could see that as being set up. Um, on the other hand, I will say that the people behind Chicago 7 are quite the formidable publicity team. And they're basically sharks. So I feel like they're going to fight for this pretty hard. Because Netflix really wants a Best yeah. Picture win. So it's going to be probably kind of ugly at some point. Yeah, that's. I think that's... And going back to the very first thing I wrote on the site was about it being, you know, we're stuck at home and we can't go to theater. And right. while the Academy maybe hasn't been ready to award a Netflix, this is the year to like be thankful for the Netflix right. and everything else is moving right. to the streaming as well. And they've kind of, you know, paved the way and provided a lot of the best picture or the best movies this year, right? They have tons of contenders in the race, Mank, um, Rainey's Black Bottom, on and on it goes, the Defy Bloods, et cetera. So I think that's another check in the box for Trial of Chicago 7, if that's the one they put their weight behind, um, because I think it's time to recognize that a streaming site and a good year to do it in. 
Yeah, I mean, there's going to be resentment for sure, but there's no denying power. People can't deny power. And what Netflix has that a lot of others don't is that it has the ear of millennials. And I think that that a lot of Hollywood is going to want that. They're going to want to share in that. They're going to want to have Mm. that share of that new audience that's coming up. And if it plays on Netflix, they're going to watch it. Yeah. Yep. And that's not necessarily the case if it plays at some indie theater in a town, you know, in New York or L.A., then these these kids aren't going to go out and want and pay a ticket to see those movies <laughs> like they're just not. But if it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. So maybe they feel like this is helping us to survive, you know, in the industry. Yeah. It's possible. Anyway, so I'm thinking Nomadland wins, let's just say director, um, editing, screenplay. Mm. No. Okay. It's not going to win editing. I, I have trial winning editing, but I mean, Nomadland could win it. So yeah. what else does she win except it. is it just director? I think adapted. And adapted to to Yeah, I think mean. adapted screenplay she gets and then director. Or cinematography. Cinematography could happen. Yeah, I have actually I have that in front right now. I've passed uh Mank. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's one it's one it's fair share of I know it's just critics, but it's you know, again and this is what I put in the most recent piece. I get critics don't vote. And they're separate, but it's, there's still something about consensus to me that you, you know, when, when so many different bodies of voters are going the same direction, that says something to me. Now you can, Cons- you have to read, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, okay. I was just gonna say, you have to read through the tea leaves, right? Is, is yeah. it, you know, is first cow getting a best picture nomination? No. Despite all those words? No, but could no man land win cinematography? Sure. I could see it. It's beautifully shot. Consensus in a traditional year, yes, because it builds yeah. that trajectory up to you know critics yeah. awards at the end of the year, then Globes in January, and then Oscar voting, and then SAG, and you know all that. But it, you know the Academy voting happens almost three months after no. the critics have stopped giving awards. <laughs> they have enough. forgotten. They will not remember yeah. this. They will not care. They will yeah. care less than they ever have before. Yeah, that's right. a good point. That's true. That's a really good point. I mean, this is, we're all flying blind here. I know, we fine. really don't know how it's going to go down. We just have no clue. We don't have any audiences to tell us how people react. I mean, I've got some, a little bit of intel from certain people that I know in the industry and what they like and what they don't like. And um, so far, I think the most positive feedback I've gotten is, is uh, Chicago seven and, and uh, one night in Miami are the ones that people seem to be really liking. I feel like people are resentful of Mank, especially in the industry. They just are resentful of wow. David Fincher. They always have been. And, you know, I, I think that they like dinging him. They like punishing him. Um, and he doesn't care, by the way. Like, he's he's definitely a rebel in all sense um, when it comes to being accepted by this group of people. But I also think that they, they, they've never liked people who reach too high and are too ambitious. And they don't like that. They never have in the academy. They like people who give you a good story fairly conventionally, but like that works. You know, that just, well, will, you can sit anybody down in front of it and they'll love it. So what movie is that? Well, Chicago 7 is one for sure. Is Nomadland that movie that anybody could, like, could you sit down your mom in front of it and she would love it? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that's the case like would your mom love it would my mom would love it i know that you uh, know mine would not my mom <laughs> my mom would love the father 
That's the movie that my mom would. My mom is living the father. (laughs) Well, there you go. So. Oh no. (laughs) Sorry, I I I just have to laugh at it at this point. She's living the mom. I think I think if Minari was in the English language, that would be the movie my mom likes the most because it's you know the whole family and she's now a grandmother and you know I don't know and that's my favorite movie I've seen so far this year so. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I love, oh, I love Minari. No, I do too. I love it. But I didn't know it was your favorite movie. I thought Chicago uh, 7 was. No, I, I love Chicago 7. I, I think I have it three on my list so far. I, I've got to see Judas and the Black Messiah before I can pin down anything mm. as far as a list. But um, yeah, Minari. I think Promising a Woman is an interesting one. My mom, Not for my mom. <laughs> but I think that's the one that a lot of people love. I don't know. It's interesting. My mom would hate it. She would hate the yeah. ending. She would hate the <laughs> ending. She would be so mad that she dies. Like, she would hate it. Like, that would not be her fit. She would love Minari, though. Minari's a hard one not yeah. to like, you know? Yeah. How do you not? It's the, it's like the closest thing to maybe a slum dog that we have, you know, is, I don't know. And I don't want to call it that, but it, it just, it's one of those, how do you not like it movies? I don't know. Oh, I know. It's, I mean, it's so, uh, to me, it's such a quintessentially American movie. Yeah. And it's it's one of the few that is, like that just yeah. goes down so easily. And you just watch yeah. it and you feel like a better person after you watch it. You know, it doesn't take yeah. anything from you. It only gives back to you. And it says, you yeah. know, these, they, they, and it's a true story, you know? Right. He moved to Arkansas and I mean, his family moved him to Arkansas and they were going to work the land and have this farm and it was hard and they had to assimilate into weird Arkansas culture. (laughs) Like how bizarre is that to go to church and, but, but they do it without judgment. Like it's just so beautiful in that way to me. Yeah. It really is funny. It's funny too. Like the, I I couldn't stop laughing at the the grandma and the the grandson (laughs) relationship and, when he, I think he pees in her cereal or soup no, or something. Yeah, it's knows. the Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah, it's the Mountain Dew, right? Mountain Dew. Okay, yeah. I, I can't remember. I, but it, that scene, I, I mean, I was laughing my butt off. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, I think that's what kind of keeps movies like that and maybe Trial of Chicago Seven at the top of these lists is there. And, and say what you will, and I know not everybody thinks so, but Trial of Chicago Seven, Minari, they're well made, well acted. And they're funny, and they move you emotionally in different directions. It's not just like a one-note kind of film. So I guess that's what I like about them, at least. Yeah, I can see that. I didn't feel that way about Chicago Seven. Yeah. No, I, I wish think, that I, I did. Yeah, I really, it's hit or miss. Well, I mean, I feel like I, I there's a barrier for me because of Aaron Sorkin's yeah. writing. Like, I think he's he's just – and I feel – I love him. Like, I'm a huge fan. Okay. I mean, I've watched everyone, The American President, Social Network, A Few Good Men. Like, I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan, not as a director. Oh, do you like The Social Network? I didn't didn't know that. Shut up. No, but I I just don't like him as a director. Like, that's, is that bad to say? Like, I think that, I I feel like the perfect movie would be him writing the screenplay and somebody else directing it, you know? I think he did a pretty good job considering, you know, that he's not as experienced with directing, but I don't think it's the same skill set. I think a great director kind of approaches story and canvas differently than a writer does. And, and Aaron Sorkin is quintessentially a writer and that's yeah. what he's good at. And, and, you know, but he needs the balance of a good director, I think, to, to kind of shape it. It doesn't matter what I think because everybody obviously loves the movie. So, you know, it's doing fine, but, um, but anyway, so um, before we go, cause we've just got about 10 more minutes here. Um, yeah. 
How do you see it turning out? Like, what do you think is going to win? We know Chadwick Boseman's probably winning Best Actor, right? Yeah. Seems sort of sad. Yeah, sense. I think so. I mean, God, Riz, and is it Ahmed or Ahmed? Ahmed. I know Ahmed. See, I thought it was Ahmed, but I know Sarah, or what's her name? Who's the girl that did the Golden Globes? Uh, Sex in the City. I just drew a blank. Mm. Uh, oh, Sarah uh, Jessica Parker. Yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker. She she was saying Ahmed. Right. Like, I think it is Ahmed. Pronounced. I think is it, it is. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think but he's he's the one person I think that could give Bozeman a run. I I can't imagine anybody winning but Bozeman, but I don't know that it's a done deal yet. Well, he could win in supporting, and then somebody else could win in lead. That's yeah, a possibility. Right. You know. Right. Um. That's why I think that that's an ensemble prize is is tricky this year yeah. for SAG because yeah. I feel like if, if, if Chadwick Boseman doesn't win in lead or even if he does, like there's just going to be a lot of emotional energy put towards that movie. Sure. Um, I think who knows? I could be wrong. Um, but actress, what do we think for actress? I still have Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> Viola Davis's part isn't big enough. Is it like, it's yeah. just not a juicy enough role for her. It's, it's yeah. sort of a supporting I thing. I just think Bozeman steals the show so much that it's, I, I mean, I hate to say this about Viola Davis, but for me, she was kind of an afterthought. Mm. Um, I don't, I'd almost say after Bozeman, I was more glued to Glenn Turman and Coleman Domingo in that movie. Right. So I just think he, he's so good that he, I don't know. I think he takes the spotlight off her a little bit. The, I think the problem with Viola Davis, not that there is a problem with her, but I think right. the issue that people have with her in that film is that she is brilliant in it, but she is always yeah. brilliant. And it's right. it's like another great Viola Davis performance. But look at Chadwick Boseman. I've never seen him do this before. Like this is right. And, you know, not many actors go that deeply because I would assume not many actors know that they're dying when they give exactly. a performance like that. He right. is channeling his rage at ending his life in that performance. That is, it is as, as, as method as you could possibly get. And hopefully that doesn't come across as crass. I, I really don't mean it to be. He is, <laughs> he is, he is give he is doing things that I think almost no actor has ever done before in that performance. Yeah. I agree. But, and is there any other actress um, who can challenge Carrie Mulligan? No, uh, I think there is. I mean, it's hard to see Frances McDormand winning three, Never. but if that ends up being their movie, what's that? No, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't either. But I, I think her and Viola, who have both won, are kind of on that cusp there. For a minute, I was thinking it was Curb Easier uh, because of the crown past. And, um, you know, to me, she's her performance is amazing in that. And then I was thinking maybe Zendaya does a late run, but she got ignored by both Globes and SAG. Maybe that was too late of a release. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who the biggest threat is to carry. I think it's Viola. Um, I, you know, I don't know about um, United States uh, versus Billie Holiday yeah. and Andrew Day. Like, she gives an incredible performance. Yeah. I think if, if the story gets out that, you know, we're still looking down the barrel at only one black actress winning in 93 years of Oscar history one yeah. i feel yeah. like that could maybe change uh, the race a little bit i think if they're looking to make history they might do that and i don't sure. know what that means um it would only be see the thing is is carrie mulligan has support 
across the board for this movie. Like they liked the movie, they yeah. liked the directing, they liked the screenplay. So she would be like with Olivia Coleman with the favorite, she would be the one winning for the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, which I do think will get in for best picture probably and screenplay. Yeah. And maybe even like, you know, some surprise nominations here and there, like makeup and costume and score. Score and maybe supporting actor. I mean, I know it seems crazy, but it's possible. He's on the short list for the BAFTA. I mean, on the long list yeah. for the BAFTA. Um, so, but but I do think that, you know, I, I do think that there's a couple of narratives that that might be we, we should be watching out for, which is that that, you know, the 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 kind of the big front runner versus the little movie that could. We don't know which is which right now. We don't know. Which one are you talking about? See, we don't know because if, you know, the people insiders would think it's Nomadland as the big front runner, but if, if uh, Chicago yeah. seven wins the SAG, then it becomes the big front runner. So, right. um, but I kind of feel like those are the two movies that are going to take the top awards um, mm. and that they might split it up. Um and uh, the, the the best thing yeah. Chicago Seven has going for it is the person who's like the biggest shark in the Oscar race is on Chicago Seven. Mm. So so it's not gonna get attacked as viciously as it would otherwise. Um yeah. so that helps I think it, it, you know. I think it'll be interesting too, because I think it has a lot of or I'm anticipating it to have a lot of guild support as well, because you know, I I think it's out the favorite to win the Writers Guild Award, and it won't have to go up against Nomadland. Not only because they're not in the same category, but Nomadland's ineligible for WGA. Oh, it is. So I, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Trial, I think, has the writers because Sorkin. I think it could get the editors if that movie's the favorite for editing. It could have Ace. It could have WGA, and it could have Producers Guild. It seems very Ace friendly. Like the most movie movie. I think it That's definitely what? it definitely seems the most ace friendly Chicago City. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I think guild wise, I think it could be. That's why I th- I'm surprised to hear that about Mank and whatnot, because I would have thought Mank would have been the biggest as far as nominations across the board with guilds. Well, he's a very the the the, the editor on that is very well respected in the industry, so I think it's gonna mm-hmm. get an editing nomination for sure. But yeah. Mank is a you know it is it is a difficult movie to connect with. It's it's not easy. He doesn't make it easy. It's it's a it's a tangle. I see it as like a tangled knot or a cinnamon roll, as he says in the movie. And I think that some people are into that and some people aren't. I am definitely into that. I have a very kind of hungry brain. And anything that is really hard for me to figure out and it takes me a long time to untangle it. Like, I love that. That's really the only thing I really love. And so for me, it's like the ideal movie. Like, it really is just, it hits every note for me. Like, I love it. Um, But I understand, like, put any, like, my mother would never be able to watch that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she could connect with it at all. And in an Oscar movie, you need to be able to sit anybody down in front of it and they'll get it right away. Like, my mom would love Chicago 7. It would be like her favorite movie, you know? For sure. Yeah. So, um, so that's it. So, so that's our podcast. It's really nice talking to you guys. I'm really sorry that you have lives and that you have to go back to that. You could just sit here and talk to me for like five hours. I don't know how much of a life I have. I just, I'm old and I get tired since we're on the, (laughs) I'm on the East coast. I think Clarence is too. So. But the the next thing we have to look forward to would be the next awards drop, which is going to be the most influential, which will be the, um, the BAFTA nominations, the DGA nominations, the WGA nominations, and the PGA nominations. So the, that's what we're going to be looking for. 
And I will say as we close out that next year we're going to have a solid 10 Oscar nominees and it won't be as hard as it's been for the last. Gosh, thank God. <laughs> no, with 10, it's so thank easy, God. man. <laughs> it's just like. I mean, honestly, I don't know how you handle it, but I, how I predict at the end is I predict 10 because I don't know if it's going to be eight or nine. And then I have them ranked in order. So mm-hmm. if let's say the movie that, of my 10 that misses a seven. Well, then I only got six or whatever, but no. I, I don't know. You, it's, you can't predict seven, eight, nine. Like exactly. Just, so, so just do 10 and put the ones that you think are just outside at eight, nine, 10. And when they're 10, they match the PGA almost every right. time, nine versus nine out of 10. So you only have okay. to get nine, right. And if you just like, remember the town, <laughs> the town didn't get in, but, oh, um, yeah. but that's how it goes. So you just, yeah. you know, it's going to be much, much easier. <laughs> But um, but yeah, some people are saying like Chris Tapley and other people are saying Steve Pond that there's going to be, a, you know, a much more, you know, a much smaller list uh, for Best Picture. Steve Pond was saying it might even just be five. I'd love five. I'd love to go yeah. to five. And then they don't have to do the preferential ballot if it's five. Right. Um, but if it's six or seven or eight, then you're kicked into that again. But preferential ballot is such a great way to go because then you get like, I mean, not preferential ballot, the other one, whatever that is, yeah. just the most votes wins. Like, yeah, that's when you yeah. get the passionate winner as opposed to the, you know, everybody likes it. Nobody hates it. You know, um, when, did, when did preferential ballot start? That was like 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like before Departed and No Country for Old Men, which I mean, right. that, that was probably my favorite back to back. Best Picture winners in the right. last couple decades. Yeah, they probably wouldn't so, have won under a preferential. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. The only chance you have is no. I think Little Miss Sunshine would have won. Yeah, under that, and but, probably Juno or something. Yeah, exactly. But um, but but you know, Parasite won. I think on the preferential yeah. ballot because it must have won the first round. Like people loved yeah, it so, so much. Too. It won. <laughs> so so that that also hurts Chicago Seven, maybe. Yeah. Right. You know, I was just looking at some dates while you guys were. Um, chatting and <laughs> the oscar nomination voting round doesn't start until march 5th one month from today it's <laughs> so insane but, but oh, listen to this so the dga nominations don't come out until the 9th the Ooh. pga nominations don't come out until the 8th of march and oscar yes oh my god and oscar voting ends on the 10th so essentially you're looking at a oh scenario god. where pga and dga do not Oscar oh, voting wow. Whatsoever. I'm so glad you told me that. I hadn't even been paying attention to that. I've got to write That's that up. Awesome. That's a really that big awesome. deal and really important yeah. to note because they, they are they, flying blind unless they vote late. No, they should be influenced by this long extended season. They should be at the very least influenced by the DGA and the PGA. That's not They're going to get they're going to get influenced by the Globes and by Critics Choice. Yeah. Critics Choice. When is Baf- what about BAFTA? When's when did when was BAFTA's noms? BAFTA. Yeah, it's not. Uh, sorry, I'm looking. It's not on this list that I am looking at. Sorry, BAFTA. BAFTA doesn't get nominated, announced until the 9th. Oh, oh my lord. They're not even going to <laughs> the Oscar. They are completely flying blind this year. Critics cho- oh, that's going to be my column second. on Monday, that. All right, guys. Well, it's been great talking with you, and um, it's been really wonderful. It's been a little surreal without Ryan, but... I think we did a pretty good job, and uh, and we'll talk the next time we have our occasional podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.